I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yes. Yes, it is. Happy birthday. Thank you. My brain and personality might be dormant for a segment of this podcast. Why is that? Well, I'm tired. I went out last night and... Uh, How was that? I had fun. Uh, just just milling about as TikTok, TikTok, my biological clock uh, went on by. You know, that's a working girl reference, but... Oh, good. Uh, well, you got a lot of really nice messages on uh, the YouTube community page. Oh. <laughs> because I've... I posted a picture of you. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I can only imagine. I haven't looked yet. It's that martyr's poster I made. <laughs> I think it's a cute picture. You don't like that picture? I think I I I don't know if that's my best work, but uh, I I appreciate the sentiment. Oh, well, good. Uh, well, I guess we should move on because we have to go have brunch. Uh, we have to. We have to. We have to. We have to get French toast. I don't remember the last time I went to brunch. Well. Yeah, like an official brunch. I, I couldn't. Oh, the cat fell. The cat beefed it. Oh, <laughs> she. Oh, she. Oh. She was. That was oh. her hanging out to the back of my chair, like oh. clipping her. Uh, well, let's move on to more crazy shit, and we can get back to your birthday as you start to liven up. But, um, <clears throat> you know, we. I'm only mentioning this because we talked about Andy Dick before. Yes, but poor, he's poor been Andy. sentenced to 90 days in jail. For an incident that occurred back in 2018, where he groped an Uber an Uber driver, uh, I feel like that's that, that's hard to do. And I, I I was trying to get more information, but it sounds like it was one. Some articles I read said it was an Uber Eats driver, so like the person dropping off his food, and then others it just said an Uber driver. But he grabbed this uh, man's uh, genitals, and of course that person press charges against him for assault but yeah so now he gets 90 days in jail which is in addition to all the other things that he's gotten in trouble for so this is kind of crazy well yeah yeah just imagine andy dick uh groping your member while it smells like garlic naan and chicken tiki masala oh okay so do you know what a catalytic converter is in my car it, it is an auto part. <laughs> it's something that sometimes you have to pay for and that people often steal. Well, so that's what I was going to talk about. Um, so it's part of the um, emissions system. But people steal them because they contain some pretty rare metals, including platinum. And unobtainium. <laughs> but so, I, so then I went on this rabbit hole of watching all these videos of people stealing them. And they basically like... People do it in broad daylight. Of course they do. And they will jack up your car in like 30 seconds. And then they basically take these big like metal cutters, like bolt cutters. And they basically cut off a part of your exhaust, like the muffler. Mm -hmm. And then they take that and then disassemble it. Just but imagine you go to get your chicken tikka masala and then you come out and find your car jacked up with the exhaust cut off. But the reason I... Uh, it was on my radar is that there was an article that um, the Torrance Police Department, so Torrance is in South Bay, which is like near the airport. Yes. And we used to live over there. I'm familiar. So last week when I was uh, at work, which is also in South Bay, I noticed there was a 
um, a Lamborghini Urus, which is the Lamborghini SUV, which is a very expensive car, like a $220,000 car. And I saw one in South Bay parked at like a regular schmegular house. And it had this, and it was like a lime green color. So a very unique car. And of course it caught my attention. And then I saw that on KTLA, which is a LA um, news publication I read, that there that the Torrance Police Department put out an APB or not an APB, like an alert about there are these catalytic converter thieves driving around in this lime green Lamborghini stealing them. So the likelihood that that car is the car, the, the car that I saw is what the police department was talking about is probably very high. But what's more crazy is that is a super expensive car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And there's video of this car going and stealing these parts. And then I was reading that, you know, it's very easy talking about, um, we just watched a movie where the thieves, oh, Poker Face, the Russell Crowe movie, where this like bootleg ass burglar is trying to steal like, you know, million dollar art pieces. And then it's like, well, where would you ever sell those? Right. And you don't even know Cezanne. Why would you? Right. And but it's very easy to sell these catalytic converters like places will just take them and on average i believe it's like 300 dollars per so it's kind of big money like abalone shells if you're cultures. bold enough but yeah that reminds me though of the a, a lyric from megan the stallion savage about "Ooh, i'm in a lamb bitch catch me if you can well i guess it's you know <laughs> these people are out if here. they get your catalytic converter they can catch you i just think that's so crazy like driving around in that expensive ass car stealing people's like car parts <laughs> but i guess it's also like you wouldn't expect it sure but it's also a very noticeable car so even if i wouldn't expect the person in that car to steal i would certainly notice the car. oh i would i don't trust anybody <laughs> but anyway and for people who are interested there are lots of videos on youtube of like owners of these cars like recording people stealing and they don't they don't give a shit. Oh, my God. Because police don't respond to it, right? Sure. So it's like no one's going to come and stop them. I don't know what that we can't get into that. I don't you, you know, you don't know what you're going to do unless you're uh, presented with the situation. But I would like to think that I would not record that. Uh, I, I would probably try to take action, which would end disastrously. But, you know. Well, this is why I need a stun gun, mace. Yes, and this is why probably bat. guns are a bad idea because probably might use the gun. But <laughs> which is like, could you imagine someone dying over a catalytic converter? Yes, I mean that's. I mean, I know I, I don't want to, but uh, yeah, you're not going to be in my driveway jacking up my car. Yeah, it was no. watching these videos was very upsetting because I thought, yeah, what if I walked downstairs and walked in our garage and someone had opened it and had oh my, something's happening hiding had something my car is happening. And, yeah. Well, the other thing too is like, I don't know. I feel so like it's such a violation for someone, you know, I know some people don't care about their cars or their house, but it's like, I'd feel so violated if someone came into my it's house. It's not about the care. Like I, I you know, in, inherently don't really care about a car, but it's mine. I paid for it. That shit is paid off. You're not touching it. Yeah. I would be so upset. But anyway, I'm going on a rant about catalytic converters. Lastly, um, someone pointed out that the film The Menu, which mm -hmm. we reviewed, starring Rafe Fiennes and Anya Taylor Joy, which we liked, that movie premiered on November 18th, 
Uh-huh. So this past Friday, which was the 44th anniversary of the Jonestown massacre. Oh, damn. So the Jonestown massacre, which I think it's in a foreign, like Guyana, I think mm-hmm. that occurred on November 18th as well. Oh. 1978. So oh, what a good year that was. What a good year. Yeah. So like not even like three weeks after I was born, that's when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Scorpio season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on to films that were released. We didn't cover. Bad Axe. Bad Axe, a real-time portrait of 2020 unfolds as an Asian-American family in Trump's rural America fights to keep their restaurant and American dream alive in the face of a pandemic, neo-Nazis, and generational scars from the killing fields is the description, which is better than I could describe uh, it because I have not seen it. But that sounds very interesting and probably very personal and depressing. Mm. But that's a documentary that opened this week that we did not cover. Mickey, the story of a mouse. Yes, what that's about. Don't tell me it's about Mickey Mouse. It is. Oh. It's a documentary uh, directed by Jeff Malmberg, who you might remember for his uh, previous doc, uh, Marwinkle, which was made into a film that was not very good, starring Steve Carell, directed by Robert Zemeckis, called Welcome to Marwen. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> Oh. It 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 was it was a very good example of how oh this is a documentary subject about somebody's tragedy and then the the film is not good but anyway uh, Jeff Malmberg new documentary didn't watch it the people we hate at the wedding I would see this because I like Allison Janney and we just listened to her on uh, Smartless who I have to say she I didn't picture her being so first of all she comes from money. Uh, so she's kind of privileged and used to be like a, like, like an accomplished ice skater, right. Mm -hmm. Until she was involved in a pretty bad accident where she like, like her body flung through like a glass plate or something, something, and it damaged her tendons and her legs. So she had to stop. But yeah, I, for some reason, I think based off of how she seems to be, I thought she was more of like a Joan Crawford type, like rough beginnings and then sort of turned into the oh, strong, sure. strong, accomplished woman. But uh, she had a pretty easy growing up. <laughs> well, you can't, you know, we can't help where we come from. But No, but, you know, it's always like, oh, okay. And then the way she talks about stuff, she's, yeah. I I like her a lot. Uh, she has, that, I think that was, that interview was the weekend Lou came out on Netflix, which is terrible. Even though, I, I yes, I do like seeing uh, an older woman uh, in an action film, uh, hashtag Sigourney Weaver. But uh, yes, yeah, she has a new film. I think Kristen Bell is in it. The People We Hate at the Wedding, directed by Claire Scanlon. That is on Amazon uh, streaming as of Friday. Scrooge, A Christmas Carol. A uh, new Netflix film that they're opening in theaters first. Uh, animated film directed by Stephen Donnelly and Olivia Coleman and Jess Buckley, who of course played the same character in The Lost Daughter, Our Voices. Oh, Slumberland. Uh, you know, I've seen billboards for this around Hollywood with Jason Momoa, a new Netflix film about a child in some fantasy land, directed by Francis Lawrence, uh, who did some films I didn't like. <laughs> for some reason, Water for Elements. Water for Elephants always comes to mind, but I know he did the last two Hunger Games films, stuff like that, uh, Mr. Francis Lawrence. But Jason Momoa is joined by Chris O'Dowd. Lastly, Taurus. I saw this at Berlin, and we received screeners, and if we had more time, but we did a lot this week. I, 
I guess I don't know how you feel about Machine Gun Kelly, aka what's his name, Colson Baker. I've seen him once. We were at a screening at so, Sony. on the Sony lot, and he was right in front of us. And you pointed him out to me, and I wouldn't have known that man. He's just a, a tall white thing. Uh, he's pretty distinguishable because he's tall and thin, and then he has like I mean, he's yeah, he kind of looks like a cartoon character. I see that all over West Hollywood, but uh, he <laughs> he is in this film directed by Tim Sutton. And you know what? I have to I have to be honest. I think that I don't really enjoy a lot of Tim Sutton's, well, at least the past couple films, because Funny Face, which I've seen twice, which we reviewed on our channel, I don't know. He get, I, I think because of the success of Dark Knight, which was a kind of a deliberation on the violence that happened at the, the movie theater at the Dark Knight when that shooter killed oh. all those people. There, there's a He made a film that got a lot of attention that I think is fine. Uh, but I don't know. His, this new film about this music, musician gone haywire that has uh, Megan uh, Fox. Fox in it momentarily without any real dialogue. I was I thought it was kind of boring, but yeah, that opened this weekend. Moving on to movies we watch for fun. I watched the do- the Hulu documentary, God Forbid, The Sex Scandal That Brought Down a Dynasty. It's about Jerry Falwell Jr. Um, being removed. I, I believe his title was like Chancellor of uh, Liberty University, that Christian school that, that his dad uh, founded. But um, it focuses on a young man whose name I just forgot, but he's this uh, young Cuban-American guy who started having an affair with Jerry Falwell Jr.'s wife. And it was kind of like a cuckold situation where Jerry would sort of be in the room and wanted to watch. But it wasn't always like that. And then it's turned into like... It never is. She loved... Like the, the, this lady fell in love with this young man and... It got messy, but the biggest thing that stands out about this documentary is I don't think I've seen a documentary that's so like, I guess the word I would use is crass. Like just everyone in it is just talking, just so loose and crazy. And then you have like Donald Trump as a part of it. And because of Jerry Falwell Jr.'s connection to Donald Trump and believing that he's the one who got Donald Trump elected as president. So, and this young Cuban American man, um, got the chance to be around Donald Trump quite a bit. And then we get some pieces about Michael Cohen and, but excuse me, it's, um, it's pretty, I I was pretty shocked how loose everyone's talking and the young man who's involved. I mean, he's, he's pretty uh, open about it. His family, like his sister, his mom, like his sister, like he told her a lot about what he was doing. So it's just very interesting hearing these people talk so explicitly about what was going on. It it felt a little chaotic, the music, because it's said in, this young man lived in Miami and that's where he met the Falwells. So it kind of has like a Miami, like a South Beach vibe with like that dancey music. <laughs> so it, it, it's just a lot, um, sensory overload. But you put on a return to Salem's Lot Yes. And I watched that too with you. You watched the majority of that too, yeah. And I thought it was very entertaining. (laughs) I did too. I was not expecting for a different kind of terrible sensory overload. Uh, Because I was sitting on the couch trying to work mm -hmm. and you put it on and it caught my attention immediately. (laughs) Because from the title, I thought it was going to be... 
Well, so like Children of the Corn. I mean, I don't know what I thought it was going to well, be. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's apt because Salem's Lot is a Stephen King novel. Is I think it's second or third, which I read years ago. But uh, you know, Toby Hooper turned that into a television series that you and I have watched. It's like, which basically amounts to a three-hour film. I remember James Mason, oh. uh, and it's it's yeah, quite. I I like the Toby Hooper's original. So this was a follow-up that I'd never seen, but it caught my attention because it's directed by Larry Cohen, who I am a huge fan of mostly for, uh, I, I mean, I love it's alive, uh, and God told me to kill, which I consider, you know, that's damn near a perfect film for what he was able to achieve with it. Uh, if you've never seen it, but so he did this film the same year as it's alive three, <laughs> Island of the Alive, which stars the wonderful Karen Black. Uh, but yes, I'd never seen this. I didn't realize it's considered like the the lowest point in his career. You know, he started out in black exploitation films and kind of ended on that note too with the original gangsters. Uh, but so this film is terrible. It is absolute trash. But it well, the three principal people are uh well I cannot stand Michael Moriarty and he is that's all you he, the entire film you just kept saying how much you didn't like him oh he's so terrible in everything I although now that you say that he reminds me of the lead in our secret film today like just sort of like pale potatoey potatoey like I don't know you, just... you got that Noki face girl uh I mean he's you know probably best known for law and order but he's the reason why I don't like Larry Cohen's cue the winged serpent it and I think he's in the is he in the first troll with Julia Louis Dreyfus I, I just don't like anything about him but uh yes he is is the star so there's him then there's his son there's this where the children swear more than the adults the children are foul-mouthedness. Oh, it's so funny, though. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you have, like, all these interesting people in the background, too, like Ronnie Blakely, uh, Evelyn Keyes, June Havoc, like, these old Hollywood, these aged Hollywood stars. And then... The... Are you looking at the IMDb page? Yeah. Read, read what the premise is. Oh. Uh, a man and his son vacation to the quiet vampire populated town of Salem's Lot. So it's a town with a bunch of old people as vampires. But the highlight of this film is to uh, me, Samuel Fuller, the, the director. director, is playing like kind of like a vampire hunter. Except he keeps saying he's a Nazi hunter. It, he, it is. This movie is worth watching for the kids cussing. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, very Barbara Streisand. And then, uh, what's the director's name again? Samuel Fuller. Samuel Fuller Stump. He's like this little rickety old man and he's just running around these scenes. <laughs> he looks insane, <laughs> chomping on a cigar. And his acting, it's just, I, I don't know how a director acts so poorly. <laughs> well, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know what happened on the set of this film, but it is, but uh you know he direct you've seen his work uh well at least you've seen the naked kiss because we did a podcast on it and i love that film uh but i'm i'm a huge fan of samuel fuller and you know he's he's presented himself in other films he's in uh vim vendors uh is what's it called the state of things which was only five years before this but this is just this is crazy it is <laughs> i would recommend it for fun Moving on, uh, you also put on Waist Deep. 
Yeah, that was a good double feature. That Which day. is two, 2006. Six. It stars Tyrese Gibson and Megan Good. Uh, and shot in LA and directed by Vondi Curtis Hall. The premise I thought was interesting. Tyrese plays this guy whose son gets kidnapped, and then he's told that you need X amount of dollars to get his your your kid back. And yeah, he's just in his car, and they snatch it. And he gets carjacked, but it's because in his past he served time in prison for something that I don't remember. It, and, and somebody knows that he probably has money stashed somewhere. So it's not a random hijacking, and then he gets sort of like she's made out to seem to be like a prostitute slash like. She's clothes sell- vendor. She has, has a suit that she's trying to just sell. In the she's street. on the corner, like how some people sell flowers or oranges in the corner. She has a man's suit in a garment bag that she's trying to. Sell. And not that I don't believe people do that, but not someone that looks like Megan Good. But anyway, um, yeah, they she they they sort of join forces um, because Megan Fa- Good is also kind of scared of her pimp, I guess. Yes, but. Um, Yeah, I thought it was shot really interestingly. There is one song that plays over and over again. Yeah, the score. Uh, It's interesting. It was directed by Vondi Curtis Hall, who's probably an actor you've noticed in a lot of stuff. He also has the misfortune of being accredited for directing Glitter, I believe. Uh, But I didn't realize. The kid looked familiar to me. And it's Henry Hunter Hall, who we just saw in The Watcher, the Ryan Murphy series. And that's his son. And I'm like, oh, that must be his kid. And then I didn't realize. I wish I would have realized this when we reviewed The Watcher. His that kid's mother is uh, Casey Lemons, an also very notable director who, of course, did East Bayou and the Harriet Tubman film with Cynthia Revo, and uh, you should probably recognize her face because she was in a few films, especially in the early '90s. She's in Silence of the Lambs and Candyman. What uh, an interesting household. Yeah, very interesting. But uh, I I didn't like the film, despite I don't you know we. In this household, we usually call her Megan not so good, but she's getting better. Uh, well, I also can't stand Tyrese. You have more of a hatred for Tyrese than I hatred. Uh, I don't. You know, every now and then, he'll surprise me because I maintain that Baby Boy is a pretty damn good film, directed by the late John Singleton. But uh, yeah, I thought he was fine. It was it was actually very compelling. I, I think it's a very it's kind of impressively shot with all the stunts that they did in Los Angeles with these cars. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, for a film that I just randomly put on that I'm sure most people don't talk about now, I was impressed. Okay, projects of interest. Horizon? Uh, yes, that is Cesar Augusto uh, Acevedo who won the uh, Golden... What he, he won Best First Feature, basically, at Cannes for his uh, Land and Shade in 2015. He's finally doing another project. Uh, and what's most exciting to me, probably, is that starring Paulina Garcia, who uh, won Best Actress in Berlin for Gloria, Sebastian Lelio's film that he, of course, remade with Julianne Moore. Uh, but if you've never seen Gloria from 2013, I highly recommend it. You'll fall in love with Paulina Garcia. Uh, Next, Monster. Uh, Hirokazu Koreeda who was just he's very busy and i usually like him i happen to loathe broker his last film which just played a can but he has finished a series and just announced that he wrapped another project in japan called monster uh the the plot details are kept under wrap wraps it's got a japanese release date in like june of next year which means that it will be probably a can lastly moxie uh 
Bert of Bert and Birdie, that co-directorial team that did Troop Zero with Alison Janney and Viola Davis, uh, has announced a project that's going to star Kiki Palmer called Moxie. All right. Unfortunately, there is an entry in the obituary section. And I only found out about because I do daily news searches on Sigourney Weaver. Douglas McGrath. Douglas McGrath died. He was 64. It was unexpected. I think he was in the midst or somewhere in a, a one-man show in New York. Uh, a film director that's, you know, he wrote, he, Woody Allen flew in from Paris because Woody's shooting a new film, uh, apparently to quietly attend the funeral. That was uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and... Uh, her husband and Sigourney were at. He directed Sigourney. He co-directed Company Man with Peter Askin, and then also an infamous in 2006, the Truman Capote film with Toby Jones, where she plays Babe Paley. Uh, and you know what's strange about that film? At the time, I think Gwyneth Paltrow was one of the highest paid people for a cameo as this, I think, Peggy Lee in that film. Anyway, uh, he's also written several Woody films, including, I think, your favorite Woody film, Bullets Over Broadway. Oh, so Douglas, Douglas McGrath is a writer. Writer and director. Oh. Okay. Mm -hmm. and he also directed a version of uh, an adaptation of Nicholas Nickleby that I've never seen because I've always wanted to read Nicholas Nickleby, which is a lengthy book uh, by Dickens. But anyway, yeah. And his last film was, I, you've seen his last film. We I remember renting it with you with Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, I don't, I just don't know how she does it. Do you remember that? Uh oh, with Hugh or who's the male in it? I don't remember the male lead in that. It's someone like a Hugh Grant, I think. That's a, no, that's what have you? What happened to the Morgans or something? Oh, then I and I made you that great card about. Have you heard what happened to the Gorgons? Oh, the Gorgons, yeah. <laughs> and I, I well, uh, goodbye to this person. I know. Rest in peace. I mean, I mean, I don't know. You know, it, it's always <laughs> when it's not expected. All right, we need to take a break. Okay, so this week's secret film was my choice, um, but it was heavily inspired uh, from our live video for uh, Disturbia. Mm -hmm. it, this film got thrown out there in the in the chat, and I don't recall what the context was. But then you mentioned the director of this film directed another film I really liked. Yes. So I so I thought it would be fun. So we chose the 19, or I chose, I guess, the 1990 American black comedy horror film, Frankenhooker, mm -hmm. directed by Frank Henenlotter. Mm -hmm. And I know his work because I saw a film called... Brain Damaged. Brain Damaged. And um, you said I really liked it. I don't mm -hmm. quite recall, but you showed me a still from it, and, and it does look very familiar. Oh, Brain Damage is so fun. He's probably best known for Basket Case, which I might oh, have shown. Oh, uh, Joan Crawford. No. No. Oh, I'm thinking of Straight Jacket or Berserk. I, I think I put Berserk and Straight Jacket together for Basket You know, case. Basket Case <laughs> were the guys carrying around his brother in a little basket, basically. No. Uh, but there Frank, might be three of those films, actually, but yeah. But Frank Henenlotter sounds like someone I would really like. <laughs> yes, I find him very entertaining. He's still alive. Yeah, he's still doing stuff. Um, well, Frank, if you're out there, I would love to meet for coffee. Uh, but this film, uh, the basic story is a med school dropout. Uh, his girlfriend, fiance, is killed in a freak lawnmower accident. <laughs> and he uh, sort of commits to bringing her back to life via Frankenstein style. So, you know, you could say this movie is loosely inspired by Mary Shelley's novel. <laughs> it, very loosely, but yes. And he is successful, but then um, the tables turn and because he ends up getting killed 
and then in like a little twist his creation turns him into a creation um i thought this movie was excellent it was so much fun and it, it's surprising I, I think how well done it is i agree i remember renting it on vhs when i was uh, an undergrad i was doing a paper on prostitution in film of course uh, for a women's studies course. And I'm like, Frankenhooker, what the hell is this? And uh, I think what really clicked with me is that there is a light amount of humor. Um, the It's gory. I mean, how, how do I say it? It's, it's gory, but it's, it's funny because the practical effects are, you can tell that somebody's being very inventive. Uh, yes, which I appreciate it. But also like it's, it's an adult film, but it's not like over the top, like sexual or or or, or even violent. Really, or violent. Like things happen, of course, but it it's it's also strangely sweet in its own way. In, yeah, in, in in the tone, I mean. But so the main character is Jeffrey, and we find out, like I mentioned, he's a med school dropout. He's also really into like 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 electrical type stuff mm -hmm. and we see him playing around with a brain that he's like <laughs> that's got a big eyeball he's in like it. implanted an eyeball in and then we see that he's connected that to a video monitor so he is like so he's very talented and then we meet his fiance because at his house he, they live with his mother i believe mm -hmm. uh he there there's a party happening and the fiance is out in the backyard talking to another young lady and the fiance is going on about like, yeah, I have like food issues and, and weight problems and I've tried every diet, this, that, and the third and nothing's worked. But Jeffrey, you know, even like Jeffrey, he stapled my stomach and I still can't lose weight. That girl's like Jeffrey operated on me. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. So Jeffrey operated on <laughs> and, you? And they, like, like, does he have a license to do that? No. <laughs> and they're trying to imply that she's got weight issues. She's wearing this large blousey. Because she, she definitely does not. Well, that that actress is was like a penthouse playboy type mm -hmm. model, so clearly has like this perfect body, and you can tell from her face that she's probably very thin. And she, but, e but she's eating pretzels, and immediately she shames. Like you yeah. might you might want to watch those pretzels, gal. Uh, so so then that's happening, and then we see Jeffrey working on his little whatevers, and his mom approaches him asking for the ketchup, and the ketchup bottle was like right in the middle of his workstation. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes because <laughs> i i don't know a, a lot about this movie seems like you know the filmmaker and whoever else was helping with the, the writing of it just was doing like this random nonsense yeah I, that i find funny i don't know that i don't think that lady was his mother because his mother's played by louise lasser mm, who, who, right. who seems kind of like her performance in this seems like she's been lobotomized but uh i <laughs> i enjoy you know what you just saw her in in funny face and she's been around forever because she was in a what was that TV series Elizabeth Harp? Uh, what was that TV series she was in in the seventies that was big? Funny Face, I don't recall. Not Funny Face, uh, Funny Pages. Oh, Funny Pages. She's in Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. But do you remember Funny Pages when they go into that pharmacy in that scene where that old lady? Oh, that's the old lady. She's that old lady sitting in that wheelchair. Uh, I'd highly recommend the movie Funny Pages. It's directed by Owen Klein, Kevin Klein's kid, and Phoebe Cates. Kevin Klein and Phoebe Cates' kid, but. Okay, so then the fiance is she's gifting a lawnmower, or she's, yes, she's gifting a lawnmower and showing how it's working. I forget whose birthday it is, but like the I think it's the some one of the dads. Yeah, like they gave him the gift of like this remote controlled lawnmower. So she's trying to demonstrate the lawnmower. 
and she starts it and it starts moving towards her and jeffrey is kind of like hey get away from don't stand right in front of it like he doesn't stand up and run and stop her no he's he's just kind of like hey you shouldn't stand in front of that and then the lawnmower runs her over and her body's ripped to pieces and the news story about it is the newscast explaining what happened at this um party where this woman is ripped to shreds by a lawnmower is hilarious um they're referring to it as like a human toss salad yeah and they're talking about how curvaceous she was because they're trying to suggest she's a big a big woman i think that is so funny then so then after that happens we see jeffrey drawing up like blueprints for like the new woman he wants to make and that lady i don't know what kind of lady he was trying to make but it looked like he was building china the wrestler (laughs) Because the blueprint is bigger than him. Yeah, so this lady is going to be bigger than him. More. It looked like they took like a 65 bodybuilder and traced him and then drew like anatomy on it. It looked like and a, then put titties on. A, a Nazi experiment. <laughs> because he has pictures of, uh, her name's Elizabeth, like pasted over all of these models. It, it looks like uh, when someone gets abducted and they're trying to get like ransom and they take those like hostage photos or whatever. That's the Those are the kind of lovely photos he had of his fiance. And they're like framed. She looks like she's sleeping and off. Yeah, none of that Olin Mill shit. It was hostage photos. Um, so you're right about the mom. I, because there's a funny scene with the mom where Jeffrey's trying to explain to her basically that he's spiraling into insanity. Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't know if I can go on. I, it, You mentioned that it reminded you of the movie... The Sun. The Sun by Florian Zeller. Yeah. Because the teenage boy in that movie is suicidal. And he keeps telling everyone, he's, like... I'm not well. He's, I'm not well. I don't think this world is for me. I don't know how I can go on. And everyone's like, you're fine. So then Jeffrey's telling his mom the same shit. And her response to him is, do you want a sandwich? Very chlorously. I thought Santa. that was so funny. <laughs> so we transition to Jeffrey, like, you know, his fiance's dead. And he sets up this elaborate dinner, like sets like the table with the china and then he has Elizabeth's body parts on the table. Yes. He has her head, her foot. He's feeding her wine. And, and he serves her, like, he's he he puts wine in her mouth, and we see the wine, like, dripping out of her severed neck. I thought that was so funny. And then, finally, like, the main entree, because he has, in like, one of those, you know, like, silver serving trays, and he takes off the lid, and it's like a whole uh, raggedy-ass slice of pizza. <laughs> okay, so when jeffrey gets stressed out like when he needs to calm his thoughts this fool takes a power drill yeah that's just it was disturbing and rams it into his head to sort of feel better and it reminded me of texas chainsaw massacre 2 oh yeah where the guy is like scratching his scalp with mm. the wire hanger well also in Dahmer. Or, or that, yeah. If you combine Jeffrey Dahmer with Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, which is so weird because this is, Dahmer was killing people at this time, but nobody knew who he was. That's right. But, but you know, it sounds gruesome, but it's not. We don't see any blood, and you never, act, you you do see the drill going once, but it's like clearly being drilled into like play doh. So it it's palatable, but it is disturbing. Okay. So Jeffrey's plan is he needs female body parts, and he's you know, stressed out trying to think of how to do it. And then he drills into his brain and he gets the bright idea. Like, why don't I get female body parts by buying them? Because there's women wanting to sell their parts across the river. Because there are women who want to sell their body parts, uh, e.g. prostitutes. So he goes across the river. To Manhattan, because he's in New Jersey and he sounds Jersey. He sounds very Jersey. But uh, he uh, goes across the river and he goes to this really rough, 
part where there are prostitutes, which is funny because it's so rough, but these women are so beautiful. I know. And he meets one of them and says, I need like six or seven of you bitches to come back. And so the main lady says, well, you got to talk to Zorro. Yeah, the pimp. Like the main pimp. And the establishment that Zorro is in is called like a, like, like, Huevos Rancheros Bar and yeah, Grill. Yeah, <laughs> the interesting names of the bars. And then the bar looks like a fucking nightmare. But the crowd inside the bar looked like... I mean, it looked like something you'd see at, like, First Ave. I mean, yeah. it, it was a very eclectic crowd, and there were some, actually like some good-looking people There's in there. another bar called The Sultry Arms, I think. Yeah, so the crowd in this rough bar didn't really match, I think, what they're trying to do, but that makes it more funny. Oh, and the bartender is named Spike. is played by Shirley Stoller of The Honeymoon Killers. Oh, well, we meet Zorro, and Zorro's this very handsome, like, bodybuilder who could not act his way no. out of a bag. No, Even the ADR's bad. And then it's so bad in some scenes, like, they're dubbing over him, and his mouth is not even moving. Yeah, he's played by Joseph Gonzalez, who I think is in, he might be in Basket Case as well. So he meets Jeffrey, and um, they make the transaction, like, we're going to set up this date where I'm going to bring all these girls, like, my best girls to you, and you're going to pick one you want. But in the process, Jeffrey sees him giving girls drugs. Like, it looks like cocaine, or I don't, I don't know what it would have been. Well, they call it glass. I don't yeah. know what glass is. Is that, like, that speed crack? PCP? I don't know. But Jeffrey is, like, a, like a fucking brilliant scientist. So he's like, oh, I, Living can, in his mom's I can keep these women under control with drugs. So then we get a scene where Jeffrey makes super crack. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now Jeffrey has super crack. And we see him tested on a guinea pig. And it makes the guinea pig explode. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he's like blowing it in there. It's like, you're blowing so much in there that you this will come back to you. To And a quick pit stop. While he's doing this, we see on the TV that there's a news broadcast called like Motormouth, where it's like this guy ranting and raving about shit. And we have a representative from an organization called Hooker, which is an acronym for... Hooked onto our knowledge of hold on oh, to yeah. our knowledge of equal rights yeah <laughs> so it's this woman advocating for prostitutes which i actually thought was a really interesting moment within the film yes yes um, well because you know the in the tagline for the film is a tale of sluts and bolts so such a good tagline it's such a good tagline but you know we're up and you know up until that point it just seemed like this is kind of you know, exploitative. Kind of exploitative and misogynist, but it's like, oh, there are, well, yeah. Yes. Keep... Combined with this um, hooker, hold on to our knowledge of equal rights group and the ending. Yes. I feel like this movie is more self-aware than you think. actually. But, so I think the best scene in the movie is Jeffrey finally goes to this like raggedy ass hotel to meet all these prostitutes because he's supposed to pick one. And he's wearing like a doctor's outfit and has his medical bag and he gets 30 minutes mm -hmm. so he starts measuring all the girls mm -hmm. and and then it's almost kind of musical like like if yeah. there would have been a song behind it it could have been a, a like a weird scene in a musical and then finally like the Sweeney main Todd. finally the main hoe is like okay well you only have like a couple minutes left and zoro said you have to choose one of us who are you gonna pick and he's like i can't choose i'm sorry i can't do this because he's like having anxiety about knowing that he's going to kill one of them mm -hmm. so they're they're like give us our money give us our money so he's like you all you care about is money and he throws a bag at them that has money mm -hmm. but it also has the super crack in it <laughs> and when i tell you if for no other reason you need to i don't know if this movie you own this movie no i don't Oh no, you paid for it yeah it's on streaming it's worth a little 2.99 just to see the way these prostitutes react oh my to god this bag of super crack 
they get that bag of glass and they are screaming. Like, it is the funniest shit. So then we get like a couple minutes of these prostitutes on super crack acting crazy as hell. Like horny and crazy. They're making out. And then we had just seen the guinea pig explode. Mm -hmm. So, and then Jeffrey keeps saying, no, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. Your body's not meant to do that. Your body can't handle it. And then one by one, these prostitutes start exploding and it actually looks really good because what they did is they found mannequins and styled like the hair, the wigs to match the prostitutes. Mm -hmm. So, and then it looks like they put fireworks inside of the mannequin. <laughs> well, these heads are exploding. And they're literally exploding. But somehow they were able to film it. So the, the editing, man- yeah. Like the editing is excellent. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. This, yeah. Will, this will be a scene that gets burned into my brain. And one of the, <laughs> the, one of the heads flies off onto the pimp who can well, hear Well, finally him. Zorro goes up to the hotel room like, where are my bitches? And he breaks down the door. And right as he breaks the door down, the main prostitute's head explodes. And then like Jason 3D style or Friday the 13th three, uh, 3D style rams right into his head and mm-hmm. knocks his ass out. It is so good. So then he Jeffrey gets all these parts that he needs. And of course, the... The formula or whatever he's invented is only compatible with estrogen. Estrogen based, so he can only bring you know women, women back to life, of course. But so when he gets back home, well, first of all, he has to collect all the body parts from the mm-hmm. exploded hookers, and so that he drives home with all these body parts in his trunk, and the trunk's wide open. Mm-hmm. He gets home, and then he's talking to Elizabeth because he keeps her you know, body parts. And he's telling her, like, as long as I'm alive, you'll be safe. And then he drops her head. I thought that was really funny. And then he's like, ooh, shit. And then he shakes her head and it's rattling like it's broken. <laughs> um, so then Lickety Split, uh, Patty Mullen comes back as Elizabeth. And I thought that this was such a good character because the actor portraying sort of the Frankenstein monster hooker, Frankenhooker, she does such a good job. Yeah, the, like the physical acting, the facial expressions, and then we see that she can only her brain is like a, an amalgamation of all the hookers. So all she can talk about is run me my money. Well, in you like want the, some sex? Give me some money. The la- in the last ten minutes of that hooker's life, it's all of that dialogue. Right. So we see her go back to the host role, and basically, like any man who like has sex with her or is intimate with her, like touches her in a sexual way. The like, I guess the power of the super crack will kill them and they explode. Mm-hmm. So we see like three men, I believe, try to yeah. interact with her sexually and they explode. I thought that was so good. Um, And then in the end, because now Jeffrey is out looking for her, like running around town talking about, have you seen this tall woman with purple, purple hair? And, and her like breath, the practical effects are very good because they make her look like, um, like one of those patchwork dolls. Yes. And so some of her body parts are different colors. Well, that, and, and like her areolas are purple for and, some reason. And Zoro's pissed because all his girls are dead. And and then all of his girls are branded. They have a big Z mm-hmm. on their um, arm. And there's a scene where Zoro's like... He, run, he runs into her and he's like, that's, that's not your arm, that's my bitch's arm. <laughs> like, what? what? <laughs> but he's like, you know, drinking his sorrows in that bar. Uh, and what's his line in there that's like, they didn't run away from you. They blew up. Oh my God. It's just, I, I think it's hilarious, but the film ends with, um, uh, Jeffrey brings his Frankenhooker back to his little lab and he ends up exploding because he kisses her. Right. 
uh yeah well and also zoro shows up there oh that's right and i which i think is actually pretty good oh that's a that's an excellent scene because he has a free jeffrey has a freezer full of these parts that he's kept in like in liquid and they're still alive but this uh the parts themselves are alive and have mutated into very strange creatures the reason the parts are alive is because jeffrey does the whole frankenstein thing where he lifts the body into the air and there's Mm -hmm. a lightning storm and that that energy also transitions to the freezer where he's keeping the body parts Mm -hmm. so now so when frankenhooker uh, reanimated so did those body parts mm-hmm. so now that zoro's back the body parts are all like agitated yes and they break out of the freezer and they all the I, again the practical effects are really good because these body parts have all congealed mm-hmm. so they're like lots of breasts put together yeah, lo- or like torsos with like mouths it's really it, it looks really good it reminded me of the film society too uh but they devour zoro the pimp and they pull him into the freezer and I, I think that it looks and I think it looks pretty decent and sounds good because uh, what, what is it? What are they saying? Anybody got a stem? A stem maniacal laughter. They want to do drugs. But then the final thing is that Jeffrey has also like been like he explodes. So his head's gone or his he's been decapitated. Uh, what's his name? Zora cuts his head off. Oh, that's right. So Elizabeth is now back to normal. Like somehow she snapped out. She's been of, kind of recalibrated. He's yeah. messing with the the wiring too. yeah so now uh, like elizabeth has her regular brain and she tells her decapitated fiance like don't worry like i'll take care of you and then she does he wakes him up. yeah what he did to her and she's like well sorry you know you only did it for like estrogen based things so now he has like a woman's body yeah the end uh, and she uses a line on him about how he had to do some unorthodox things to get her back you know against her will from death uh and in a form that you know who knows that she'd appreciate and she's done the same to him yeah i thought this movie was excellent i would give it four out of five um it i assumed it would be like a lot of these types of films where they're just like crap acting, zombievers crap, like yeah. yeah like they just like the practical effects are like the bare minimum like no one even tried uh and then the story makes no damn sense. But I thought, you know, even though this is ripping off of a very popular story, um, I just thought everything about it was very well done for what it was. Yeah, I agree. It, uh, uh, not unlike how I feel about Lucky McKee's May, which is a favorite of mine as well, and also a, a Frankenstein rehash. Um, it's not that you can't reutilize certain things or, you know, pay a very strong homage to something, but it, it can still be original and fun and inventive yeah um it's kind of what i wanted life after you never saw life after beth directed by aubrey plaza's husband starring her where she plays a similar scenario where her fiance she's come back to life she's she's a zombie but there's nothing fun or exciting about that movie but in my mind but yeah well um so we need to get going we're going to have brunch um do you have anything to say about your birthday now that you're more awake? Uh, it, it's here. <laughs> I'll have there, read, here. I'll, I'll have Nick read all of the nice messages on YouTube. Um, yes, I, I will. I will peruse that. Uh, I don't know. It's just another another day, really. But uh, I, I, I'm happy that I caught up with uh, my letterboxed. Oh yeah, Nick's letterboxed is fully all of his uh, viewings have been entered. So we'll make a video going over it probably in the beginning of the new year. Okay. All right. 
Yeah, because then you can also highlight like 2022 stats. That's it. this is true. Uh, anything else? Uh, not that I can think of. Oh, I, I wanted to say uh, about Frankenhooker that we didn't say his name. James Lorenz plays Jeffrey, who's kind of a character. Oh, we actor. didn't say his name. Yeah, but he's he's quite charming. He's entertaining, but he has a voice. I can think. Who does this sound like? He he sounds like Ricky Rude. If oh, you know no. who that is. If you don't know who Ricky Root is, get on iTunes or Spotify, and he has a song with Trina I, called... Um, is it Model Ass Stripper, stripper Face? Stripper, no, Model Face Stripper Ass, yeah. or something like that. Uh, Trina's segment Trina's, of the song is so good. Yeah, Trina's lyrics are actually pre- pretty good. But anyway, that's all I have. Okay, same. All done? Okay, yeah, yeah. bye. Bye. <laughs>